All right. What's up, everybody? Uh, after a week or two away from doing the UFC roundup, I'm back to do another one. So uh, would love to have you jump in here and uh, share your comments. Let me know what you're thinking about these fights if you want. Obviously, we got a big UFC card this week. And since it's a big UFC card, of course, I have a birthday party I have to go to. So I'm going to be uh, sneaking peeks at the first half of the prelims on my phone. And then hope to get home in time for the end of the prelims and the main card, which should still be pretty fun. So, hey, I'm going to be shouting out some people again this week. I mean, I don't want to do it every week because it probably kind of gets old. But the reality is I listen to a lot of smart people talking about UFC every week. I, I follow a few people on Twitter uh, who are smart people on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I just want to give the credit where credit's due. I mean, I do have my own take on some of this stuff, and I do try to form my own opinions but there is a lot that goes into it from listening to people who know more than I do. So just saying that up front, um, I'm going to go through these fights uh, and try to give you the consensus of what people are saying fairly quickly, give you a few thoughts on bets. Um, please do hit that like button, hit the subscribe. Uh, if you like what you're seeing, I always appreciate that. So with that said, let's uh, jump into these fights. First up, we got Jessica Rose Clark going against Julija Stoliarenko. Number one, I do not know if you pronounce her name Julija or not, or if that second J is silent and it's really Julia Stoliarenko. So if someone wants to hit me up and let me know, that'd be cool because uh, I don't really want to mispronounce people's names. This one, pretty straightforward. Uh, really a lot of talk about how Jessica Rose Clark has been a kind of a hyped up fighter over the last year or nine months. Um, many people will say it's like her looks and the stuff she does on Instagram and other places but hasn't always shown up in fights um, and definitely hasn't shown up with the smartest game plan. And so people question whether she's going to be able to put come in and show up with a good game plan here. Really should be the better fighter, um, but that doesn't necessarily ensure she's going to win. Uh, going up against Julia or Julija Stoliarenko, who I think is one in four in the UFC or maybe hasn't won yet. I, I didn't get it written down here, but Really what she does is she wins by armbar. That's what she does. She's going to go for it the whole time. People have said maybe her striking is kind of okay, though they give JRC the, the advantage there. And But JRC got armbarred in her last fight. And so she does have a weakness for that. If she does go to the ground with Jaleesha, it is absolutely a possibility that she gets armbarred again. So this fight, that's like as straightforward as it gets, to be honest. And I need to pull up the uh, betting odds here. Right now, Jessica Rose Clark at minus 150. Ju Julia Stoliarenko plus 135. At that price, um, I would say in terms of the consensus from people that I listened to or read this week, the consensus is Jessica Rose Clark, but most people are not betting this fight because they really don't trust her. And especially with her, uh, with you having to lay some juice in order to get on her, people don't feel like that is uh, a good bet to be making. For me personally, um, you know I like to do the ladder parlays, uh, Cody Saftik style. Um, even that is something I got from somewhere else, which I'm totally cool with. Uh, this is one where I probably will have Stoli Aranko down near the bottom of those parlays. And on the long shot one, I probably will have her by sub. I just haven't been impressed by Jessica Rose Clark much at all. And early on, she was someone who uh, I did kind of enjoy watching, but kind of off that train now. So 
I don't think it's worth laying juice on her at all. And that's the side I'll be looking to bet. I am considering Stoliarenko by sub as a small, like quarter half unit bet as well, because I think it is a, a reasonably likely outcome in this fight. Next up, we have Brad Tavares and Drikas Duplessis. Some of the banter on Twitter and the shows this week is whether it's Duplessis or Duplessis. From what I hear in South Africa, they just go with the Duplessis. Uh, they don't get fancy with it. So that's what I'm going to do. And if I'm wrong, you can hit me up and let me know. This one, again, pretty straightforward. Honestly, in, in terms of the takes, there wasn't a lot of nuance. It's Drikas Duplessis. Doesn't have a fight in the UFC that hasn't gotten finished yet. He's never been to decision. He hits really hard. He storms people. He's decent on the ground, can put people into submissions. Um, he, he's a, a high-action, high-impact fighter. Brad Tavares, the Hawaiian on the other side, is a technical, solid, long-term UFC fighter. Has gotten beaten by some of the better people in, in the UFC. Uh, tends to beat people who are not quite up to snuff. And, uh, and he tends to go to decision. So we have a little bit of a clash here between a guy who never goes to decision and another one who goes to decision most of the time. The consensus on this one from people is definitely Duplessis and fight doesn't go the distance. People do seem to feel like Duplessis's style is going to win out and that Tavares will not be able to stay, stay safe over the course of 15 minutes. One outlier on this was Dan Tom. So if you want to hear a little bit of a case being made for Brad Tavares, you could go listen to uh, his podcast, Protect Your Neck, <clears throat> especially this fight um, where he he makes that case. For me personally, I actually am leaning toward that Brad Tavares site, side, and partly because this line has switched. Um, Drakus Duplessis certainly has a lot of power and a lot of finishing upside, there's no doubt. Um, he comes in here and gets the finish. No, none of us are going to be shocked, right? But at the same time, if he doesn't get that finish, what happens then? And Tavares is a veteran enough, I think, to be um, and has shown himself to be relatively durable over his tenure in the UFC. So I don't think Duplessis necessarily gets him out of there easily. Um, and so especially now, uh, sorry, let me double check. But I think Tavares is at plus money now. Yeah, plus 135 he's all the way up to. So when this line originally came out, and Duplessis was uh, was plus money. I totally get it. But with Tavares being plus money now, I'm going to actually lean on that side. I don't. I haven't bet it straight yet, um, but I'm going to consider it just because of the line flip and because I think if he can say, stay safe, he does end up winning this fight probably by decision. <clears throat> What's up, Shady? Good to see you, man. We haven't gotten to talk in a while. Shady and I both busy in different ways, but. Uh, Y'all know Shady's one of the guys you should be following. Um, get these lines early, too. So, all right, next up, we got Jessica Evil Eye and Macy Barber. Jessica Eye's getting old, man. Um, man, a lot of these fights, I will say, there are some weeks where you get a lot of nuanced takes from people, and there's people on both sides, and it's sort of hemming and hawing. That happened a little bit on this card, but I think there's a lot of places where the takes are pretty straight up. And people are just picking sides based on what they prefer. Um, I'd say that last that's true in the last one with Duplessis and, and uh, Tavares. You want the guy that you think can finish, you think Duplessis could do it, you take him. If you, if you think Tavares can stay safe, get to a decision, you take him. So here, people definitely believe in Macy Barber, certainly the younger fighter, probably more physical, able to push eye up against the cage potentially, maybe take her down. 
Um, but a lot of people will also talk about how Barber has been a little bit of a disappointment in the UFC based on the hype that she had. She's also dealt with injuries and things like that. So that could be part of what's held her back. Jessica, I've been around for a long time, beats up on people who aren't very good, loses to people who are good. She is a boxer and that's about it. It's pretty much the only thing that she does. The consensus here is definitely Macy Barber. I wouldn't say that there is a ton of passion and conviction from people on that side, but that is the way that people are going. The problem is Macy Barber is minus 275 right now. Um, so for me, if I was going to pick this fight straight up, I would go with Macy Barber. I haven't been super impressed by her, and I'm not a, a Macy Barber guy, really. But in the in this fight, I definitely see why she's favored. But at minus 275, there's no way in hell I'm betting her straight up. Will I bet Jessica I at plus 250? Uh, I'm actually thinking about it. Again, for like a, a quarter unit, uh, maybe a half unit. Um, I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but if I bet on either side here, it will be a, a little bit on Jessica I. I will not be betting Macy Barber at this, uh, at this price. Shady saying, wait for it to steam more. No doubt, man. If I can get plus 300, it gets even more enticing. Um, and then skip or decision. Yeah. I agree with that. I think there's a really good chance that that fight goes to decision. I's been relatively durable. Next up, we got Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz. Man, Andre Muniz on the ground has been the shit, man. This guy gets the fight to the ground and it's fucking over. Um, and your, your bones might be broken um, if you fuck around and don't tap out fast enough. So... Um, if he can get the fight to the ground, he's proven himself to be amazing on the mat. Um, we don't necessarily know uh, how his cardio is going to be if he doesn't win quick because we haven't seen it a lot on the Uriah Hall side. A lot of people talk about him being you know, a decent rangy striker but tends to be low volume. And some people even talked about how he is sort of living off of one or two good finishes in the UFC and other other than that hasn't been crazy impressive. The other thing that people bring up here is that Uriah Hall has never been submitted, which is Muniz's primary path to victory. So the consensus here is definitely Andre Muniz and Muniz by sub. I don't think I heard a single person actually pick Uriah Hall, even the ones who are a little bit less convicted on this fight. Um, the, the odds on this one, we got Muniz all the way out to minus 320. And Hall at plus 280. So again, there's no way that I'm betting Muniz on the money line. What I would be looking at there is potentially taking the Muniz sub or even a small amount on Muniz sub round one. Um, and then probably Muniz in the parlays as well. Um, I, I do think that it's much more likely that he gets the job done here. I will say that this feels like a step up in competition for him to me. Not that Uriah Hall is a world beater but he is a, a proven UFC veteran. And so I do think that this is a good, a, a decent test for Muniz against a, a UFC vet who hasn't been subbed before, but I'll go with everybody else. I, I agree with that side. Um, Yeah. The sub for Muniz shady says is uh, to minus one twelve. I don't hate that. I mean, that's, that's probably his primary win condition. So I'll take that over the minus whatever I, the hell I just said it was, minus 320 um, on him straight up. <laughs> yeah, Shady says strong parlay piece. I think that that's where I would go with it as well, um, is that parlay piece. 
All right, next up, we got the old fellas, Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone. In terms of talking points on this one, certainly people talking about how Donald Cerrone cut down twice to fight Joe Lozon. That fight did not happen ever at 155, but still the weight cuts in uh, two weeks apart there could, could be tough on his body. Um, however, this fight is going to be at 170, so even if he does have to cut weight, he's not going to have to cut a lot of weight. Um, same kind of talking points for Cerrone here as there were in his fight against Lozon. He tends to be a slow starter, but if he can survive the storm in round one, he could come on stronger in round two and round three. Also, an important point on this one that people brought up is the difference in the line. So against Joe Lozon, Cerrone was the favorite and Lozon was the underdog. Here against Jim Miller, Miller is the favorite by an even wider margin, Cerrone the underdog. Miller comes out fast in round one, definitely tries to get the, the submission, um, and many times is able to do that. He fights at 155 his whole career, so this fight is up 15 pounds for him into a different weight class. The other thing people bring up that's kind of a fun one on this fight is these guys are tied. Uh, I think I heard someone say um, they were tied with one other person, probably, was it Arlovsky maybe? For most wins in UFC history, so they do actually have something extra special they're fighting for here to get them to have the most wins by themselves in UFC history, at least for now. <coughs> um, the The consensus on this one is Jim Miller, but I would say this is one of those 60-40 fights. Hearing people talk about it, there are some people on Cerrone. For me, I'm going to look primarily to a live bet here. So I actually do lean towards Cerrone, partly because of uh, this fight taking place at 170. I like Jim Miller, so don't get me wrong. Um, I've bet Jim Miller before, uh, and he certainly is capable of getting it done in round one here. He, he can come out hard and fast. Um, but I think if Cerrone does weather that first round, his chances of winning go way up. And so I'll be looking to live bet him after one round. That's the primary... Uh, way I'll look to bet this one. All right. Um, yeah, Shady, more on Miller inside the distance, minus 110. Um, over one and a half rounds, minus 150. Yeah, I don't hate it. Although I think if Miller wins, there's a good chance he gets it done in round one. So we'll see. You never know when a couple, couple old guys go at it. It can get tricky. So next up we got... Ian Gary, uh, who is about as cringy as a fighter comes. I don't know if you've seen his videos, and hey, he's not hurting anybody with them. You know, do do what you want, I guess. But those videos are really shitty. Um, if you've seen them, I'm sorry for you if you have. Uh, none of us should have to watch that shit. Get, uh, going against Gabe Green, um, who... So, talking points on this one. Ian Gary, athletic... Uh, from Ireland, wants to be Conor McGregor, isn't Conor McGregor. He does have good footwork. Uh, he's young. He's pretty explosive. He's good on the feet. Um, he does tend to fight with his hands down. So the the defense on the feet isn't amazing, but he does have good striking, um, is likely to be decent on the ground. A lot of people think that this he still is a decent prospect in the long run. <clears throat> Though he's going to run into a point here um, as he's moving up the ranks where he does get get beaten, have to learn some lessons and improve some. The question is if that's going to happen against Gabe Green. Gabe Green, uh, dog of a fighter. He's going to get in there and mix it up. He's not going to mess around. Um, won his last fight against Lioness. 
after getting hurt and then came back and won that fight pretty decisively. He is a smaller fighter here against Ian Gary, so he's going to be at a reach disadvantage. Those are some of the things that people talk about. <clears throat> the consensus here is definitely Ian Gary um, by quite a bit. There's a lot of respect for Gabe Green out there uh, for his skills and for the way he fights. But most people I listen to do feel like he's overmatched. Now, there were one or two people who picked Gabe Green here, so it was definitely not unanimous. Um, and this is a fight, too, where a lot of people are on the fight doesn't go the distance side of things. These are both guys with power, both guys who are going to mix it up. I think um, both of them are pretty hittable. If you look at their fights and look into their stats, um, they're not going to escape unscathed. And so I think that fight doesn't go the distance is a good look. Um, I don't have, let's see. Well, the under two and a half is plus 108 right now. So I don't, I don't think that's terrible. Um, I mean, maybe this fight could go to decision, but um, you know, I, th I think the fight doesn't go the distance isn't a bad look here. Uh, Shady's got green, but he's waiting on it. Let that line steam up a little bit more. I don't think that's a bad idea. The, the reality is with these big cards, you get more eyes on them, more people betting them. And I think the people who have the hype tend to take a lot of money and a lot of bets as we get closer. And Ian Gary is definitely someone the UFC has tried to promote who is getting a lot of hype. He's at minus 175 now. Gabe Green at plus 160. Certainly agree that this line could could widen out even further as we approach fight time <clears throat> as that um, kind of more casual money comes in uh, leading up to the event. All right, next is another old people fight. One guy who's really old and another one who just seems old. He's old in UFC years. It's Robbie, Robbie Lawler, who's 40 years old against Brian Barbarena, who is, I think, only 33. But I will tell you watching him, it feels like he's 43. Barbarena, uh, just some of the talking points here. Certainly a lot of respect out there for Robbie Lawler and who he was. The most common take that I heard this week was, if this fight happened five years ago, it's Robbie Lawler all day with no question. But this fight is not happening five years ago. That's a quote from eight different podcasts this week, I think. Uh, and no shade there. I mean, it's just just saying that's the the common consensus. In terms of where to go with this one, <laughs> the the concern is that Robbie Lawler um, is is just falling off a cliff now and that he's going to fade, especially if this fight goes longer. Where Brian Barbarena has at least shown an ability to continue fighting, um, to keep fighting three rounds. He stays in there. He's not going to give up, and he's, he's a hard guy to put away. And so, really, most people, this fight is similar to the, that first women's fight where most people would just say, stay away from this one, watch it. Don't play it from a betting perspective. But if there is a consensus, I would say that it does lean to the Brian Barbarena side by just a little bit. In terms of the fight goes the distance or not, I would say there's not even a consensus there. Um, kind of people on, on both sides of that one and people really unsure about what to do with this fight. <coughs> uh, for me, I doubt that I'll end up betting this fight, but in the parlays, I'll probably end up with some Brian Barbarena. I actually started the week thinking I'd be on Robbie Lawler, but it concerns me that he's, I think he's been off for about a year, 40 years old. I mean, I'm 44 and I, I mean, I'm no, obviously I'm not even close to a professional athlete, but even just as a recreational athlete, you hit 40 and, and things just start to change. So I, I don't like the age there. 
I don't like the volume from Lawler a lot of times. I think Barbarina probably has better volume in this fight. And so unless Lawler can hurt him and put him away, I think it's likely Barbarina wins. I may even look at some Barbarina by decision, depending on what that line is. May take a little bit, uh, a little bit there, but probably not too much. Um, in terms of the line on this one, um, if I can find it, we got Barbarina's plus 100, Lawler minus 115. So it's pretty close to a pickup at this point. But even the, with those just little bit of dog odds, uh, I'll take Barbarina on that one. Um, let's see. <laughs> the overalls guy has been taking some beatings. He has been taking some beatings. Resume night and day. Can't disagree with that. Uh, Brown got robbed. Yeah, I mean, um, that certainly is the take for many people. I didn't go back and watch the fight, so um, don't really remember. But I'll take Shady's word for it um, that the Brown got robbed against Barbarina in that last fight. So um, he's going with ruthless. Hey man, I can't hate on it. Uh, this is going to be an interesting to fight fight to see how, how ruthless comes out, man. Hopefully it's a fun one. Uh, all right. We got uh, one more and then we're on to the, I think we got one more before the main card here. Um, next up we got, Oh, sorry, man. My fights are out of order here somehow. I don't know where I got this shitty order. Lawler Barbarina is on the main card. So the uh, we're going to go main card back to the prelims. The last fight of the prelims, Brad Riddell versus Jalen Turner. So pretty much unanimous that this is one uh, just a phenomenal fight. Um, Jalen Turner, up and comer, seems to be taking leaps and bounds every time he steps in the octagon. I mean, I see that, but this is stuff I'm hearing from other people, too. Jalen Turner is tall. He is long. He is athletic. He can use those lanky limbs to lock up submissions. He can stay at range if he wants to. He uses elbows. Um, can be pretty devastating. Um, if any of you listen to uh, Die Hard MMA, Uncle Wheezy uh, was on there this week and was just talking about, I think it was him who was talking about <clears throat> how Jalen Turner is a uh, inch taller than he is. And at the, the thinnest he's been in his adult life, he's like been two Oh five or something. So the fact that Jalen Turner is even fighting down here against Brad Riddell is crazy um, that he's able to cut to that weight. Um, so just is going to be a significant size advantage there for him on the Brad Riddell side. Definitely a lot of respect for people. Respect for city kickboxing, um, what they're doing. Uh, their fighters have been performing well lately. There's no no two ways about it. People do talk about the fact that Riddell does tend to get hurt in his fights, but also comes through that, um, is able to endure and then come back and, and kind of put it on people. Uh, really good hooks in the pocket. Um, really good striker. Um, those that's, that's kind of the primary things people say about Brad Riddell. Most people here believe that Jalen Turner is going to be a monster early in this fight. And that if Riddell is going to have a chance, he's got to endure five to seven minutes of hell in order to get there. Now it'll be interesting to see if that happens because this is certainly a big step up in competition for Jalen Turner. He hasn't fought somebody like Brad Riddell before. Um, this is a real fighter, and I think there's a chance that Brad Riddell is going to be able to get off some offense that Jalen Turner hasn't seen. Although, <clears throat> not quite too true that he hasn't seen it because he did fight Vicente Luque in his UFC debut, which is a hell of a debut. Um, but the consensus here is definitely on the Jalen Turner side. Most people believe it's Jalen Turner inside the distance and pretty strong takes on fight doesn't go the distance as 
probably the best play in this fight. When I look at this, I 100% agree that fight doesn't go the distance is a phenomenal play here. Jalen Turner has been hurt before. If he isn't able to get Brad Riddell out of there, Riddell does have power in the pocket. And if Jalen Turner slows down, I think he'll be in big trouble with Riddell's striking. At the same time, I do think there's a good chance Turner gets Riddell out of there early. Um, or, man, small possibility. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to decision. But I think, you know, the first round and a half are going to be super competitive or should lean the way of Turner. So I like fight doesn't go the distance. I did already put some money on Jalen Turner here as well. Um, like I said, there absolutely is a pathway for Brad Riddell to win, but I think Jalen Turner is the right side. I think he's on the way up, and uh, I think this kid's got uh, a huge future, and that tends to be the way most other people are going as well. Um, let's see here. All right, Shady's – I like it, Shady. Well, you know, I don't everybody want anybody to take too big of a beating, but – he says Riddell takes a beating. Uh, faded him versus Fiziev or Fiziev. Yeah, uh, I like it, man. Dude, anytime I line up with Shady, it makes me feel better about my pick. So um, over one and a half rounds minus 135. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if it gets over one and a half or not. Um, see how, how hard Jalen Turner comes out, I think, and we'll see where it goes from there. <clears throat> All right, flipping back to the main card now. We got Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley. This is another one where the takes are pretty universal. What I'm going to say right now is stuff I've mostly heard from other places, though, again, you know, I look at the fights, I see kind of the same thing. Sean O'Malley is a really good striker at range. He's super tall for the weight class, has an incredible reach, is able to keep people on the end of his punches, is very accurate, um, and you see him just touch people up um, over the course of three rounds or however long they're fighting. That fight against Chris Moutinho, Moutinho is nothing to write home about. So the point is not that Moutinho is great, but the point is that um, O'Malley just kept him on the end of those punches, touched him up, touched him up, touched him up, over and over and over. O'Malley does put people away sometimes, but like the most recent Eddie Wineland, who you know we saw here recently is the ghost of Eddie Wineland um, and gets put down very easily these days, you know, I, I'm not sure and others are not sure how much power O'Malley really has, um, but he is a very, very good technical striker. On the Pedro Munoz side, pretty much agreement at, at this point. So he's one and four in his last five fights. Um, it's been against really good competition, but people saying that he's slowed down a step. He's not the Pedro Munoz he used to be. He does have the leg kicks, which could be a problem against O'Malley. O'Malley got kicked in the leg by Cheeto Vera, had the nerve issue, and then got finished. <coughs> um, so if Munoz is able to get to his legs, that could be a good uh, a good tack for him. But he's shorter, he's slower, and so a lot of people believe that he's not going to have the athleticism anymore to get to the legs of Sean O'Malley, nor to be able to take him down and in a striking battle that he won't stand much of a chance. So this one, the consensus from the people that I've listened to this week, is overwhelmingly Sean O'Malley. And the interesting thing is there are plenty of people out there now who don't want to like Sean O'Malley. I feel like the consensus take is, I want Pedro Munoz to win, and I think Sean O'Malley's going to win. I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, because uh, when I look at this fight, I feel like Munoz does have a couple paths to victory, one is those leg kicks, and maybe it is true that he's not going to be able to get close enough to get those kicks off. 
But if he can if he can focus on the leg kicks and and land volume there, I do think if you're able to sl- slow Sean O'Malley down and get him away from his movement, Munoz has a chance then to get into the pocket with him where I think he would have a chance with strikes to even potentially stop Sean O'Malley. I also feel like Munoz absolutely would have an advantage if this somehow got to the ground. We don't know that for sure because we haven't really seen O'Malley on the ground. Um, but that is my sense that he would have an advantage there. <clears throat> All that to say, I, I will agree that the most likely outcome here to me is Sean O'Malley and probably by decision. I wouldn't rule out a knockout, but I'd say probably. But the line is minus 285 plus 260 on Munoz. Um, the over two and a half minus 125. The under two and a half is minus 105. Not one of the points of strongest conviction for me, but I probably will lean toward O'Malley. And I may look to see what the price is. Um, Some of these books have round three or decision. And I may look to see what round three or decision is um, on O'Malley. I also will consider uh, putting just a little bit on DraftKings in particular has the decision only or finish only props. I might consider a little bit on... um, Munoz finish only if he can find that big shot if he can get it to the ground somehow I'm not convinced I'm going to do it I'm going to see what the line is on that but that's just another thing that I'm going to consider uh shady looking at Munoz decision uh wait to bet him late if you like that side um he's looking to fade O'Malley in a different spot that that's honestly helpful to hear man because I again I started out um thinking I might go with the Munoz side but the more I've listened to looked at <clears throat> the more I think O'Malley, probably this this is a fight he's going to win, um, and it will be a place to fade him in the future. Okay, he says plus one thirty O'Malley round three or decision. I really like that line. Damn, I'm going to have to go find that after the podcast. I think that's the spot. If you can get plus money on round three or decision, Munoz has been durable, so um, I'm willing to I'm willing to get plus one thirty betting that he doesn't go down in the first two rounds. Shady. Appreciate you, man. I gotta even respond to that comment because uh that's the line right there. Uh for me. Anyway, that's what I'm gonna go find uh after we're done here. All right, we are on to the featured bout. Man, these last three are fucking bangers, man. This is gonna be an awesome finish to this card. Um really the best top of a card we've seen this year, probably will see this year. So we got Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. I do have to say, maybe maybe you guys don't appreciate it, but if you like uh, fight shit talking and you haven't seen the press conference today with Sean Strickland and Israel Adesanya, go look that up, man. It was that was pretty funny. Sean Strickland owned him, uh, in my opinion. In terms of what people are saying about this as an actual fight, um, Strickland is he's just a straight up he's a fighter, man. Like this guy gets in there, hands down, walks forward, punches you in the face, gets punched in the face, uh, high volume, high motor, doesn't stop, has the gas tank to go three rounds. Um, there's just going to be a pace with Sean Strickland. The downside for Sean Strickland potentially is that he doesn't tend to put people away. Um, almost like, like Sean O'Malley in a sense, I'm not saying they're the same guy, I'm just saying that there's a similarity in the sense that they do strike with volume and they do get significant strikes, but they don't tend to put people away a ton. 
And if there's going to be a downside for Sean Strickland in this fight, that could be it. Because he's fighting a guy in Alex Pereira who, I mean, again, I'm repeating the same thing, everybody. But that's the point of this show, right? To tell you what people are saying. Hopefully everybody knows by now Alex Pereira KO'd Israel Adesanya in glory kickboxing. Um, the UFC probably wants Pereira to fight Adesanya. Um, that's something that they could sell and hype up as a rematch of the time Adesanya got beat, even though it wasn't in the UFC. Pereira is a powerful, potent, varied kickboxer. So he has strong punches, strong kicks, really good knees. Um, this is a guy that that delivers power with his shots. And you've seen this even in his fights in the UFC so far, where it'll look like he's losing, and then he ends up landing a couple of these powerful shots, and he puts people down. And so the, the potential downside for Strickland here is he could be winning this fight and getting more volume and um, in Pereira's face, but then Pereira comes back with some power shots, and whether they put Strickland out or even just make uh, cause a lot of damage, that could still swing rounds Pereira's way for the judges. And so it's going to be really interesting that way. The other, um, the other thing to watch here is if Sean Strickland will wrestle. Okay, quick aside. Uh, I'm trying not to do this too much, but I'm going to do it here. One of the things that annoys the hell out of me is when people talk about things like, will Sean Strickland wrestle? And they have no information. They have nothing to go on. But they just say, I mean, Sean Strickland really wants this fight. And he's got to know that wrestling is the best path to victory. So, I mean, I'm pretty confident he's going to wrestle. How are you confident he's going to wrestle? Like, just because you got a, a feeling? Okay, whatever. <laughs> point is we don't know if he's going to wrestle or not i don't think there's any way to know if he's going to wrestle or not if he does he probably has the advantage on the mat but we don't even know how big that advantage is because we haven't seen Pereira push too much there um he is a kickboxer uh by background and only has six ufc fights so you'd have to imagine strickland probably has the advantage if this fight finds its way to the mat um i think we just have to watch and see i, I think this is even an interesting spot for a live bet if you watch and uh, and this is just a stand-up battle um, and Strickland wins that first round with volume, you might get a crazy line on Alex Pereira um, after round one. And that's something that I'm going to be watching because this line right now, um, he's already, oh, he's only plus 105 now. Um, I know Strickland, I think Strickland did start at plus money, but I think that swung to like minus 130 and he's only minus 120 now. So I'm going to watch for what that plus line would be after uh, after the first round. Um, if it looks like it's primarily going to be a striking battle. Outside of that, um, I think this is a tough fight to call. It should be a fun one. Um, I think it's probably Strickland volume and, and Pereira damage. Um, I mean, you can hate on me for it or whatever. I kind of want to see Strickland win, man. Uh, he's like some of the shit he says maybe isn't the greatest, but it's the kind of guy the UFC needs, somebody to stir it up a little bit. And not in a canned way like uh, Colby Covington does. But more of like this guy's just a a real douchebag and uh, in kind of a funny, sometimes likable way. So um, I'm actually going for Sean Strickland here, but I think it could end up being a close fight. Um, and now it's lined that way. So um, that's sort of what I expect. All right. Uh, let's see what what Shady's got here. Fight of the night. Man, I don't disagree. This should be a good one. Uh, Strickland's been under the radar. 
Yeah, Shady says here, look for him to use the takedowns. That's the thing I'm wondering about, man. Um, I just don't know if Strickland's going to care to use the takedowns or not, but he might. And I agree, like, whoever wins this fight is probably getting a title shot. So I think that's um, a big deal. All right, let's move on. We got two fights left. Uh, next up, Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, three. I'm going to be pretty quick on this one because mostly it's people saying like we've seen this fight twice and we've seen it play out over a long period of time. There's not really a lot of reason to think that it's going to play out incredibly differently. Both of these guys, great strikers, both durable. Um, if anything, Volkanovski is the one who gets rocked a little bit more, but obviously just both incredible fighters. Um, yeah, I'm going to just blow through this one. I mean, the takes here are just this is probably another close fight. Um, the two things I heard that stuck out to me that I think are worth consideration. One is when there's a close fight with a champion involved, the judges tend to give it to the champion. Um, some people believe that's what happened in, in the second fight between these two guys, which was very close. And a lot of people feel like Holloway won. <clears throat> so if this fight plays out close again, maybe Volk gets the, gets the nod because he's the champion. The other thing though, that people said that I think is worth considering is let's imagine for a second that Holloway gets a split decision in the last fight, like Volk did. What's the line on this fight? I mean, it's probably around 50-50. Maybe Holloway is slightly favored. And right now, Holloway is plus 165. So you can go out there and get plus 165 on a fighter who theoretically would be at a pick em price if a split decision had just gone the other way. So from a betting angle... If there's going to be the V word value on either side, the value is probably on the Holloway side here. This is a fight I'm likely to stay away from except in the parlays because I just feel like it plays out close. The only thing that I would actually look to potentially play here is the split decision prop again. Um, not again. I didn't play it last time, but to play the, the split decision here, I don't know what that line is, but that's something I'd potentially be interested with in with a small amount of money. Because we've seen it play out twice already. Um, why not a third time? So, <laughs> Shady, last chance for Holloway. We sure as hell hope so. I mean, if he loses three to Volk and then he gets another chance, what the hell are we doing, right? So, <laughs> got to be the last chance for Holloway here. <clears throat> the interesting thing will be to see what they do if he wins. Uh, that'll be the interesting thing. All right. Main event time. Israel Adesanya, Jared Cannonier. Um... <laughs> This one, pretty straightforward as well. A lot of uh, commonality in terms of the breakdowns on this one. Um, Israel Adesanya has been the champ, champ for a reason. Very athletic, very fluid in his striking, able to keep people at a distance. One of the takes that I heard this week that I thought was really, uh, really true is except when he was fighting Jan, um, he kind of makes it look uh, easy or lazy. Um, and in a sense, I don't love that because it's like he just knows how to keep range and keep distance. And he touches people up enough, uh, throws a few kicks, does enough to get the decision, but he doesn't really put it on people sometimes. Um, and I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't. I was going to say a fair criticism. I don't know if it's criticism. I mean, I don't love it. Uh, if you've got the goods, let's see it, man. Um, but that's that's how Adesanya tends to fight a lot of the time. Jared Cannonier on the other side is a guy who started out at heavyweight, now is all the way down at 185, but still carries a lot of that power and that bulk. Um, into this division 
he does absolutely have the ability to put people out. The problem in this fight is going to be him finding Israel enough for him to potentially be able to put him out. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing to say here. In terms of a consensus on this fight, it's definitely Israel Adesanya, but like, uh, of course it is. He's minus 500, well, minus 450 now uh, is the best you can get, but he's minus 450. So, of course, that's the side that people are going with. Uh, most people I listen to going with Adesanya decision. Um, both of these guys do seem to have the gas tank to be able to go five rounds. And if Adesanya has another fight where he kind of keeps it at distance and just touch, 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 um, decision could be in the cards. However, this is Cannoneer's shot at a title, and it's, I don't know, this is one of, maybe it's one of those narrative things, but you just have to wonder, he knows that he he probably has the better power here. The way he wins this fight is to get in on Adesanya and land some power shots, so it'll be interesting to see if he pushes the action. For me on this fight, um, yeah, there. I mean, there's probably a decent chance I use Adesanya in parlays. I may also look at the over two and a half for those parlays. But in terms of a, a pick, it'll probably be nothing for me or a small amount on Cannoneer. I don't expect Cannoneer to win. This is a, just another one of those line things where if you're giving me plus 375 on a fight at 185, I mean, a quarter unit, maybe I'll take it. So um, Shady uh, says here uh, plus 500 KO. Is that on the Adesanya side or the... Uh, or the Cannoneer side, plus 500 for KO. Uh, I like this 4 5 decision, minus 150. Man, that helps a lot. I mean, that's way better than 450 or 500. So that may be something I look to, is that 4 5 decision for Adesanya. Um, I'll probably stay away from the decision straight up. I, I don't have enough confidence that this doesn't get finished inside the distance, especially if Cannoneer um, pushes it you know he might force out asanya to throw a little bit more so oh plus 120 decision yeah personally i'm gonna stay away from that one i i, I like the four or five or decision at minus 150 I, I like a small poke on cannoneer i like you know maybe the over two and a half depending how how wide that is for parlays all right that's this card um it's a rundown of what people have been saying this week um, I'll probably tweet out later some of the people I've been listening to. Definitely uh, go support them. Uh, appreciate the content people put out every week. And hopefully we can all make some money this weekend, get back in the positive. Uh, yeah, have a great night, everybody. And we'll see you on Twitter uh, as we look toward these fights tomorrow.